What number is this, Chip? Zilch, 153. Monkeys 101 on the Chaperone. Monkeys News and more. Woohoo! Okay, no, don't get excited, man. It's because I'm short. Zilch, zilch, zilch. You're listening to Zilch, a Monkeys podcast. Now, it's time for Zilch. Welcome back to Zilch. I am Christine Wolf, one of your hosts, and today I'm joined by Sarah Clark. Sarah, how are you? Hey, everybody. Doing great. Good, good. How are you holding up these days? Uh, it is day 397 of hanging out in the apartment. Uh, I got nothing to complain about. The, the We had some rain, but the sun is shining today. You know, life is good. I, all things considered, life is good. Got my health, got my husband, even got the damn cat. <laughs> <laughs> Who could ask for anything more? Exactly. <laughs> good, good. Well, Sarah, today you and Roseanne Welch are going to conduct your latest virtual class. How uh, prescient you two were when you came up with this. <laughs> <laughs> Innovations in online learning. Yeah. <laughs> <There. laughs> <laughs> That's right. So we, we've got the latest episode of Monkeys 101, which is looking at, uh, I think it's episode nine of the Monkeys series called The Chaperone. It is episode nine. Uh, but first, how about some monkeys news? Yes, absolutely, because we have some monkeys news. Uh, last week, as we were recording this a few days ago, we started seeing some reports on the Zilch Facebook group popping up about the Mike and Mickey show being postponed to spring 2021. Uh, I think given the situation in the world right now, we're recording, and I feel like I have to timestamp it. Thanks, everything. These days, everything moves so fast. Um, but given that, I am not surprised that they decided to uh, start postponing dates. Um, as soon as those dates started popping up on Zilch and elsewhere in kind of the monkey social media uh, community, Jody Ritson uh, posted the following. Uh, it appears today you will start to get the emails regarding the Monkeys tour dates being rescheduled for 2021. I will keep you updated regarding the 2021 dates when they are released. Please look at this as a positive. Use this time to save because 2021 will be the last time you see the tour. Heart emoji. And as is often mm. the case with these situations, yeah, mm, um, we'll, we'll see. I mean, how many final shows have we heard of over the years? I'm, I'm just throwing <laughs> this out there, kids. Um. <laughs> let me let me take my shoes off so that I can count higher. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, I, I mean, I, I think yes, they're not getting on any younger. Yes, things are awkward right now, and it's going to be at least a year before they can tour. But at the same time, you know, I've said this before, Mickey. At least I don't know what he would do if he couldn't get out on the road. <laughs> 
Right. You know, he's just a, he's a workaholic. And I say that in the best possible way. Um, a, a real road warrior, for road sure. Road warrior. Absolutely. That's, that's a good, better way to put it. But, um, you know, all I know is every time they're touring, I try to make sure that I get a ticket if it's as all feasible, because you never know. You never know. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. Breaking news from Andrew Sandoval just posted to the Zilch Facebook page saying, uh, May 26, 2020. As you might imagine, our tour plans for 2020 have been postponed till 2021. The good news is we hope to be back on the road in March and we'll be adding dates to be announced in the coming weeks for 2021. In other words, we may be coming to your town. Please see below. <laughs> that's pretty cool. That's, that's good. Yeah, wouldn't that be something? (laughs) Please see it below for our rescheduled dates that are currently on sale. All tickets purchased for shows in April 2020 will be valid at the rescheduled date in March 2021. If you have any issue with attending a specific show, please return to your original point of purchase to see what their policy is for resolution. Any issues with the fulfillment of live CDs must be handled directly through Ticketmaster. Mike and Mickey do not get paid anything from the tickets sales until after a show is performed and since no shows have been performed on our tour the power is purely within the ticket sellers now to clear the road for us to return as soon as it is safe for all of us our live album the monkeys live the mike and mickey show is streaming and available now on cd from rhino the vinyl version has been delayed a bit in the usa to july 10th 2020 many of our fans overseas had to wait a little longer for the cd but they got their vinyl release ahead of the states the track listing for the vinyl, CD, and streaming versions of the album are the same globally. 25 fantastic songs recorded live in 2019, mixed beautifully by Christian Nesmith. And I agree, they were mixed beautifully. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Andrew continues, we have two live videos from the record you can watch now, and he gives the YouTube link, which we'll also put in the show notes. We hope to have another special video event for the U.S. vinyl release. Stay tuned for all the Monkees news and updates. Here are the newly rescheduled dates for the Monkees featuring Mike Nesmith and Mickey Dolans. Tickets are on sale for all shows. Here we go, kids. Uh, March 18th of 2021, Vancouver, British Columbia, Commodore Ballroom. March 21st, Seattle at the Moore Theater. March 23rd, Sacramento, California at the Crest Theater. March 24th, San Jose at the San Jose Civic. March 26th, Riverside, California at the Fox Performing Arts Center. March 27th, El Cajon, California, the Magnolia. March 28th, Phoenix, Arizona, Celebrity Theater. April 1st, San Antonio, Texas, the Tobin Center for Performing Arts. April 2nd, 2021, Austin, Texas, ACL Live at the Moody Theater. April 3rd, Dallas, Texas, the Majestic Theater. And April 12th, 21st, Nashville, Tennessee, once again, closing out the dates that have been announced at the Shermerhorn Symphony Center. Um, Now, I've seen rumblings of a few other dates that are not on this list, but I would say take a breath, hold off, and wait until we get official word from uh, from Andrew and Rhino. So, absolutely, wow, there was a lot of information in that. Uh, you know, he he talks about the album release dates. We're gonna get a new video. Uh-huh. <laughs> I know that's exciting. <laughs> I'm excited about that. Yes, yes, and. 
maybe some more dates added on. That would be awesome. Wouldn't that that be be something? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yep. And and definitely some good news to have right now. I know folks are, you know, some folks are probably a little sad about it being bumped from July, but I I think we were all kind of aware that was likely going to happen with the way things have been going. And I'm glad that everybody is taking their time and hopefully we will be able to get together very soon in happier times when everybody is safe and well and, uh, you know, ready to hang out and have some good times. Absolutely. We, we love to get together with our, our monkeys fans, our Zilch Nation meetups and so forth are always a, a lot of fun. Um, but the most important thing is for everybody to stay safe, stay healthy. Um, don't be in a hurry. Uh, we've got, you know, not only are we talking about demographics of uh, concert goers, concert performers, <laughs> um, but of course the, the greater community at large. So I'm, I'm uh, happy to hear that they have these new details worked out. I'm happier to hear that there might be some more dates and uh, all is good. All, all is good. All is good. We have a uh, new album release to talk about, don't we, Christine? Yeah, I was going to say, you know, you were talking about all the different social media posts about the tour, rescheduled dates. And one of the other things that we're seeing uh, sprinkled throughout uh, the Zilch Facebook page, especially, are posts by members of Zilch Nation showing off their copies of 7A's newest release, which is Mickey Dolan's Live in Japan. Similar to last year's Davy Jones in Japan, Mickey's offering is a gorgeous CD-DVD combo, Mm -hmm. which features Mickey's 1982 solo Japan tour. And, you know, what's what's cool about this is, uh, I mean, first of all, what's cool is it's 7A. 7A always does an amazing job with these releases, uh, and it, it looks gorgeous, uh, as always. Um, the other thing that's very interesting is the contents of the tour, you know, the, the track list. Um, you know, we, we all expect Mickey to have sung the hits. Um, but on this tour, he uh, gave the Japanese audience uh, a treat by singing a couple of Nez songs off of headquarters, like Sunny Girlfriend and You Just May Be the One. Nice. Uh, and yeah, and he did um, his mom's song, Pillow Time, remember, uh, from Monkeys Present. He even did Zor and Zam, which oh, wow. is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, then... He did a couple of songs uh, from his then-current Japan-exclusive single, To Be or Not To Be, which was backed with a track called Beverly Hills. So those songs are on the uh, on the DVD version, if you get the CD-DVD combo. The other thing is on the CD, there are five rare bonus tracks, including uh, Beverly Hills and To Be or Not To Be. So those are that's the only place that you get to see and or hear those tracks. So that's um, that's pretty cool uh, that, you know, that once again, uh, there's there are these nuggets of can't get it anywhere else uh, material. So if you haven't gotten your copy of 
uh, Mickey Dolan's Live in Japan. Uh, you might want to seek that out. Of course, you can get that on Amazon or Deep Discount, um, wherever um, fine CDs and DVDs can be obtained. Absolutely. And I'm sure Ken will throw some links in the show notes to that as well. So, um, absolutely. Yeah. Exciting stuff, exciting stuff. And then uh, one other last bit of news that we just found out about. Mickey Dolenz will be featured on Alec Baldwin's Here's the Thing podcast on Friday, June 5th. Um, I'm really looking forward to this one. This should be fun. I, I, I've heard good. Yep. I've listened to a couple of Alec's podcasts, not very many, just here and there. But uh, I'm definitely going to make sure to check this one out. So. Yeah, that'll be that'll be very interesting. Um, I can't wait to hear that myself. So that's that's definitely on my calendar. And I'm gonna I'm gonna correct you, Sarah. That wasn't the last news item. We do have one final one, and it is a um, one that's close to monkeys fans' hearts. Uh, some excellent news. Um, just this past week, Sherry Hansen, uh, monkeys. Um, pseudo official, semi official, unofficial, unofficially <laughs> official. <laughs> That's it. Unofficially official photographer and videographer announced that um, you know she has she has been battling um, some breast cancer for the past few months. She announced this week that she is in remission. Woo-hoo! And. Yes, we are over the moon for you, Sherry. We love you, love you, love you. We knew that you were strong and that you would fight with everything you had, and you did. And you had so many people uh, in your corner praying for you, sending good vibes, uh, you know, conjuring the universe to to mm-hmm. just heal you. And the doctors did an amazing job. You did your amazing part, and we could not be happier for you sherry absolutely absolutely and uh you may some of you may recall that we have released some special zilch buttons to help sherry out with her expenses during this time um and uh those are still available so please make sure to uh snag one of those christine the button queen will be happy to hook you up that's right all you have to do is um go to send your money by paypal uh, to zilchorders at gmail.com. Uh, tell me which button you want. We will have all this information in the uh, in the thread in Zilch uh, and and on the show notes as well. Um, and and if you can't find any any information that way, you can always uh, send me a PM or just send me an email at zilchorders at gmail.com. I will get you taken care of. We've also, in addition to buttons, don't forget, we have uh, those beautiful um, uh, photos of Peter that she took that Peter's uh, estate and team so kindly allowed uh, to be used for all the proceeds to help Sherry with her medical expenses. She's in remission but the bills aren't done yet. Yeah. So, uh, so you know, if you are so inclined and uh, uh, would like to get a little something for yourself, those are some 
some items that we have available. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we're all very aware that this is a tough time right now for everybody. So, you know, please don't feel pressured or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But, um, right. you know, if you are in a place to do something, Sherry's a good person. If you've seen a photo of a monkey taken in the last, oh, I don't know, decade, odds are better than 50-50 it was taken by Sherry Hansen. So... I would even say that if you have the uh, Mike and Mickey live CD, you've uh, yes. seen several of her photos. Yes, they are in, have. The, in in the uh, booklet, and they were on the um, the back cover of the CD as well. So, yep. all right. Well, listen. Up next, we've got Monkeys One Hundred and One with a study of the chaperone. Yes. But first, here's a word about a book that you, as Monkeys fans, might want to check out. Hey, Michael, it says here we've written another book about the monkeys. Wasn't the first one enough? Not at all, Mark. Our original book, Looking for the Good Times, Examining the Monkey Songs One by One, was very successful, but only covered half the story. Which half? The group half. Our new book, Headquartered, A Timeline of the Monkeys' Solo Years, covers the solo half. Who knew the monkeys record so many solo albums? Not only that, but this book covers all of their solo projects, including stage shows, horse racing, running record labels, directing and starring in TV shows and movies, voice acting, and jail. Jail? Did the monkeys go to jail? Ah, you have to read the book to find out. You've sold me. Have you sold them? Who, who, who's them? Those people out there listening to this. Well, listen to this! This book has discographies, photos, and other information about the prefab for Mickey, Davey, Peter, and Mike, the solo monkeys! Plus another nifty cover by Scott Shaw. Wow, he did our last cover. And this one's equally good. Where can you get this masterpiece? Announcer. Announcer? That's me. <clears throat> get Headquartered, a timeline of the monkey solo years, written by Michael A. Ventrella and Mark Arnold. Those two guys. It's available in hardback, paperback, or ebook from BearManorMedia.com or from Amazon. Get your copies today. Cool. I'm going to get one today. Okay, so before we uh, ring class into session, I did want to mention two of the things that I really enjoyed the most about the uh, chaperone, uh, or, or actually more more about Monkeys 101 in general, uh, what I really like about doing these things, which is doing the This Week in History. It's always interesting to kind of, to me anyway, I, I don't know if anybody else finds it interesting, but I like kind of looking into... Um, what happened the week various episodes airs because it's always like something interesting about the Cold War or um, the space race or uh, the civil rights moment, movement. A lot of times there's something going on about civil rights or women's rights that's just really fascinating. So it's interesting to sort of take these episodes and just sort of see, okay, what else was going in the world that week, you know? Absolutely. The the greater context of uh, not only pop culture, but the world at large at the time is always very fascinating. Yep. So. Okay, well, as Ken would say, without further ado or further ado, you want to go ahead and ring the bell? Absolutely. Class! Class! It's Monkeys 101! Here at Zilch, a Monkeys podcast, we're big fans of education. But as Zilch Nation grows... There's also a growing number of fans who don't know their Frodus from their Freeble Energizer, or who've forgotten the departure time for last train to Clarksville. There are even people in this world who can't solve the equation nine times blue. 
Oh, but have no fear, because doctors Roseanne Welch and Sarah Clark are here to help with their new series, Monkeys 101. Their regular class sessions and symposiums on special topics will explore all things monkeys, from the deeper meanings of the TV show and music we all know and love, to the cultural impact of the monkeys from 1966 all the way to the present. We'll even explore the monkeys' connections to history then and now. Stay tuned for a fun, thoughtful romp through the world of the monkeys, and who knows, at the end of the episode, you just might be thinking about the monkeys in a different, deeper way. Welcome back to Monkeys 101. Uh, As always, I'm Dr. Sarah Clark. And I'm Dr. Roseanne Welch. Lovely to have y'all back listening to us again today. And we are going to be discussing episode nine of The Monkees, The Chaperone. When Davy sets his sights on dating the daughter of an uptight military man, Mickey is recruited as a chaperone, albeit with a twist. <laughs> Original air date, November 7th of 1966, written by Gerald Gardner and D. Caruso. And uh, interesting side note, production on The Chaperone actually wrapped on July 22nd, which was Gerald Gardner's 37th birthday. <laughs> he was a charming uh, gentleman when I met him in his 80s. Um, and he talked about being the old man on the set at 37 and 38. He, was, he knew he was of the, the later generation already. Right, because it seems like most everybody else was in, you know, that 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 mid to late twenties things. And there's definitely, I mean, they're not technic. A lot of them were not technically young enough to be baby boomers, but they definitely were closer to that generational thing. Oh, exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, show was directed by Bruce Kessler. This was his directorial debut uh, on the Monkees, and also in general. Uh, yes. He also directed. I've got a little song here, Monkees at the Circus, and Alias Mickey Dolan's three excellent episodes, in my opinion. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and he went on to direct on shows all the way through to the mid '90s, including a lot of police procedurals like Chips and The Fall Guy. Um, one of my fav- husbands favorite shows from childhood the greatest american hero and yes and even one episode of a show that roseanne is a little bit familiar with touched by an angel Uh, exactly sadly that was two years before i joined the show but um it turns out when i looked at his um imdb as you mentioned greatest american hero so many of these shows he did hardcastle mccormick he did riptide these are all from the stephen j cannell production company and that means he was a regular on their roster and they were a real company for writers and directors once you got in there you were in there for life and you can even notice that he did the commish um, yes for later shows and then his last show was renegade which was this um you know, interesting sort of syndicated, direct to syndication kind of show uh, with Fernando Lamas that is still so popular. When I was in Europe visiting relatives in Italy, people were like, oh, you know, Renegade and Renegade was in reruns there like five years ago. And it was a huge, huge show. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) It is kind of funny. And uh, ratings for this week were a 17.8 rating and a 28.8 share, which works out to 9.77 million viewers. Mm-hmm. And uh, I actually did a little digging into the Nielsen ratings for this this week, and I discovered that uh, the monkeys came in second this week between Iron Horse and Gilligan's Island. Yowza, that's pretty good. That, that's always been my classic story that when I was a kid, the scariest thing in the world was choosing between Gilligan's Island and the monkeys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's, um, 
it, it's interesting looking at over those things the the first season it it spends a lot of time in second place though it you'll notice as as this the season rolls around I, I, they they kind of start popping into number one a little bit more often as as we sort of get in, into the back half of the first season so exactly and as we know the synergy of the music made more people know about them and so it was one of the earliest ways where television was doing that I mean again Ricky Nelson did that a little bit on Ozzy and Harriet but this was like bam it just hit at a whole different level. And we've been copying that all the way up through Glee recently, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's um, that you find a formula that works and you just keep putting new twists on it. Exactly. And of course, they're about to spin off Riverdale into Josie and the Pussycats. <laughs> they are indeed. So there'll be music in every episode, right? That's awesome. And we'll be getting to Josie and the Pussycats actually briefly when we go over our guest stars. But um, exactly. yeah, before we do that, I was uh, curious if you had any other sort of notes you wanted to share about uh, just in general about this episode or the production or any of that good stuff. Um, I think it's neat to talk about Gardner and Caruso for a little bit. Sadly, Caruso mm-hmm. had died before I started interviewing everybody. But he did leave uh, his scripts at the WGA archives. Um, the library that's on site um, on Fairfax and Third in Los Angeles, but they're now archived off site, which is something you know as a librarian. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they didn't get as much use, so if you want to use them, you have to call ahead, and they'll bring them in. Like you have to give them three days, but then you can sit there and read. And the WGA library is open to the public; you don't have to be a member of the mm. union to use it. So anyone visiting LA should, you know, call them ahead of time and say, "I'd like to see some of D. Caruso scripts," and you'll see his handwriting in them. And um, just kind of get to match them up with your favorite episodes. So I think that's pretty cool. Yes, that is awesome. Um, And I think these guys, well, I know these guys were on the cutting edge of moving from a world where you did a lot of freelance writers to where you started to invent this thing called the writer's room, which everybody talks about now, where essentially you just had yourself a permanent staff of writers. So that's when the word showrunner starts to come in. So I would qualify Dean and uh, Gerald as the showrunners, but nobody would have called them that back in the day. They were just the head writers, which is more or less what everyone associates with the Dick Van Dyke show and what Rob and, you know, all those guys were doing and Sally. Ah. So we're really at a change over in how writing on TV shows was going to happen. I worked with a guy when I was just a receptionist. I was um, talking with this guy. I was a receptionist at the Cannell Company. And this guy came in to pitch one of the shows. And he was a freelancer. And he had always spent his career – Um, He could do five or six episodes, you know, a year of different shows and that started to slide out. And then if you didn't get a full time job on a show, you didn't get a script at all. Mm. The real time of change. And these guys were right in the middle of it. Wow. So let's shift on to what was going on uh, the week of November 7th. Mm-hmm. On November 8th were the midterm elections in the U.S. Uh, there were two interesting results of note. Uh, Edward W. Brooke, a Republican of Massachusetts, became the first African-American popularly elected to the U.S. Senate. Wow. Yeah. Of course, that's first since Reconstruction. Right. Popularly elected. Yes, yes. Yes. And then Ronald Reagan, uh, whose future career would include a cameo via stock footage in head, <laughs> was elected governor of the state of California. <laughs> and the monkeys are six degrees of separation from everybody in this town. Let's face it. Well, yeah, yeah. It's it's uh, it's amazing. It, it, you know, it and, and just that speaks to how Hollywood then and really even now is, is so much a company town. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. I mean, it's it's sort of like just instead of, you know, coal mining or cars or whatever, it's, you know, entertainment. 
Oh, basically, it's basically it's entertainment, and it was um, um, airlines because of Hughes Aircraft and all that oh, yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah. Everybody tells me if they grew up here, your dad was either in entertainment or he worked for one of those companies. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> yep. Now it's tech, but hey, <laughs> yeah, now it's exactly. Yep. Mm. On the 9th of November, uh, John Lennon attended an art exposition at Indica Gallery in London and uh, first met artist and future wife Yoko Ono. And that's that's a story everybody knows about him looking at her art thing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So cool. <laughs> the next day on the 10th, Jack Lynch becomes the uh, Taoiseach or Prime Minister of Ireland. On November 11th, Gemini 12 with Jim Lovell and Buzz Aldrin launched a four-day flight. Uh, also, the Methodist Church and Evangelical United Brethren Church united as the United Methodist Church. <laughs> How interesting. Yeah, yeah. And they're back in the news again, as a matter of fact. So, Oh, yeah, that's true. Yep, yep. My parents are Methodist, and that's how I was brought up. So I've been uh -huh. following that a little bit. So, yeah. That's, that's my husband, too. But I was the Catholic. So when we got together, it was like, okay, which thing are we going to do for our kid kind of thing? And yeah. I, I checked out the Methodist Church, and I love the fact that they had a female minister. Mm -hmm. But I kept trying to kneel and make the sign of the cross. And I was like, I can't. I, I got traditions so woven into my body. I don't think I can play anybody else's game. Yeah. No, I feel you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then on November 12th, the Dodgers complete an 18-game tour of Japan with a 9-8-1 record. And also, Buzz Aldrin takes the first space selfie. <laughs> <laughs> he took a photo of himself performing a uh, extravehicular activity or spacewalk during yeah. the uh, Gemini 12 mission. How cool is that? And, you know, we're going to get into that a little bit and just the whole idea that our general um, is named Vandenberg, which, of course, is in honor of the Vandenberg Air Force Base. Yes, I'm glad you <laughs> caught that. <laughs> well, I lived near enough to it. Fair enough. <laughs> And moving on to the top five on the Billboard charts this week. Uh, number five, uh, unchanged from last week, is Dandy by Herman's Hermits. Dandy, Dandy, where you gonna go now? Who you gonna run to? All your little life, you're chasing all the girls. They can't resist your smile. Uh -huh. They long for Dandy. And then number four, this one came out of nowhere. It was up 13 places from the prior week. Good Vibrations by the Beach Boys. At least as long as I've been a Monkees fan, if not longer, I've been a Beach Boys fan. So Yes. Oh, truly, truly. Yeah, absolutely. Number three, down one from the prior week, is uh, Question Mark and the Mysterians with 96 Tears. <laughs> Well, that's a beautiful song. Yes. And then in number two, down one from last week also, unfortunately, is uh, The Monkees with Last Train to Clarksville. Take the last train to Clarksville and I'll meet you. You can't say at the top forever. <laughs> 
Yeah, no, and don't be too sad because uh, Culgems drops. I'm a believer believer later this month, so they will not be gone for very long. <laughs> and they're not gone from the top ten; they're just gone from the top number one. Exactly, exactly. And then uh, number one up to the poor side of town finally made it to the top. Tell me how much you missed me. That's fair. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a good song. So, yeah, even though it seems a little odd in the context of some of the other stuff, but yeah, it it works though. Right. Well, and imagine we're in this period now where um, their music is matching the charts as their show is climbing up the charts, and they're not yet. They're so busy working, as we've heard in different interviews, that they're not quite understanding their popularity yet. And so, remember, there's the story where Mickey goes shopping for Christmas and gets mobbed at the mall. I mean, he doesn't realize how people are reacting to their work yet. Absolutely. And um, I always take a look at uh, Sandoval Monkey Spot day by day for the week of production, even though I generally kind of only bring things up if they're interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, But there was uh, an interview, I think, either that week or or right around that time where – that you know they they were interviewing Bob Rafelson and he was talking about between shooting the TV show and recording because at this time they were basically wrapping up work on the first album and starting to work on the second album. They were putting in sixteen hour days minimum. Yeah, exactly, and that's so true. And people don't realize, and they weren't being paid a lot of money. I mean, we all know the story of the Friends mm-hmm. folks making a million dollars an episode. These guys were making regular minimum SAG scale, which is like in the few thousands, which is nothing to sneeze at back in the day, but is not a million per episode. No, no, absolutely. So it's uh, just interesting context of where they were at the time. Exactly. Moving on to guest stars. Uh, Babbitt, as always, played by Henry Corden. And Mrs. Weavers uh, was played by Diana Chesney. She was a character actor from the 40s through the early 90s. She played a lot of maids and cleaning women. Um, yes. She was born in uh, Mandalay in the country that was then known as Burma, but is now known as Myanmar uh, in 1916, actually, and passed away in 2004. Uh, she so did. I guess she was married or excuse me, she Go was ahead. born to a military family, right? I couldn't find that for certain, but that would be my assumption that her 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 family was somehow connected with the British Army. That that almost yeah. almost certainly. So that makes sense. Yeah, or missionaries. That's true. That's that's a possibility as 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 well. But definitely something to do with you know the grand old British Empire. I suspect. So. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Cool. Uh, after a few bit parts in movies in the late forties, she made the jump to TV, and uh, another one who just worked steadily as a character actor for decades. Um, this was her only monkey's appearance, likely because she was ba- uh, busy making a lot of regular appearances on Hogan's Heroes and Bewitched. Exactly. Um, interestingly, she made the jump back to movies toward the end of her career, playing Mrs. Judson in The Great Mouse Detective and a villager in the Mel Brooks classic Robin Hood Men in Tights. And that is her last credit. So mm-hmm. it's kind of amazing because she's oh, she's going to pass away in 2004. So yeah. she, she quit her career in her late 70s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
that's a heck of a career. I know, I know, and and, and it's interesting to see how many of these, um, how many of kind of these old school character actors really were kind of keep able to keep working till close to the end. There's sort of the same thing with Arch Johnson, who we'll get to in a minute. So yep. Yep. But before we get to him, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about uh, the love interest in this week's episode, Leslie, played by Sherry Alberoni. She started out young with a brief stint on the second season of the Mickey Mouse Club, um, <laughs> followed by a recurring role on the Ed Wynn show in 1958. Interestingly, that show started about the time that Mickey was wrapping up Circus Boy. <laughs> so, uh, after some guest spots on Donna Reed and Dobie Gillis, uh, she spent a year on the Tom Ewell show, the, the premise of which was a man who lived with the struggle of being a father to <gasps> three daughters. So difficult. He should have joined the Brady Bunch. They had six kids. She had three daughters. No one said that was a struggle. Well, but it was only, it, it was only girls in the house. Three daughters, a wife, a mother-in-law, and apparently the dog was also female. So... <laughs> This apparently was supposed to be sufficient premise to drive the story anyway. <laughs> Good Lord. Good Lord. Of course, Tom Yule is Tom Yule from Seven Year Itch. Right. Um, Post Monkeys, Sherry had a recurring role on Family Affair before making the leap to voice acting for Hanna-Barbera, uh, most notably playing Alexandra on Josie and the Pussycats <laughs> and Wendy on Super Friends. How fun. How fun. Yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, next up is Cynthia, played by Judy Murdoch. Uh, this is actually one of only two acting credits for her, but uh, that doesn't mean you haven't seen her on-screen work. Um, she seems to have made, like, sort of the same, had sort of kind of the same common sense as her character uh, in The Chaperone, because she very quickly gave up acting and went behind the camera as a makeup artist. Um, she worked pretty regularly on a lot of kind of, like, B-movies through the 80s, but then she uh, started working for Jada Pinkett, and then later on started doing makeup for her, her soon-to-be husband, Will Smith, and their son, Jaden. And you can see her work on pretty much any movie any of them have appeared in from the mid 90s on like through to today she was makeup artist on aladdin and um bad boys for life which just came out recently as we're recording this exactly oh no and that's an incredible career for makeup artists because there's been a lot of discussion about how we don't have enough people in hollywood who understand and can work well with african-american hair so that means she was willing to study and do a good job and be respectful, and that's why they would keep her on. There's been a lot of controversy over that recently, including mm -hmm. the beautiful movie that just won for short film, um, Hair Love. Have you I seen that? I love that. I love that. Everybody here needs to like hit pause on this if you're not driving and go watch Hair Love if you haven't. It is the most adorable cartoon I have ever seen. It is adorable. We will put a link to it in the thing because it's yeah. so – so worth seeing. Won the Oscar. Absolutely should have won the Oscar. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. So that's a big, I mean, that's big respect for what she's done. Yeah. And uh, in fact, her her kind of career in makeup for Will Smith and Jada Pinkett Smith led to her only other acting credit, a cameo as a blue-skinned alien in Men in Black 3. <laughs> <laughs> Which means they're really friends and they wanted her to have that fun enjoyment, right? You do exactly. That with, it's a gift to people who you really care about. That's so cute. 
Yes, yes. And then we're going to wrap up the uh, our guest stars with Arch Johnson, who is featured as General Vandenberg. Uh, after originating the role of Lieutenant Shrank in West Side Story on Broadway, uh, Arch made the move to Hollywood. He could be found playing a soldier, police officer, cowboy, or some combination of the above for just about every TV show you can name, again, between about the mid-50s and early 90s. Um, some of the things that I noticed... It, especially that popped out at me were Maverick, Twilight Zone, Rawhide, Perry Mason, Camp Runamuck, uh, The Fugitive, <laughs> Bonanza, Gunsmoke, The Virginian, Bewitched, The Bionic Woman, and Wonder Woman. <laughs> you know, he, that's an interesting statement because he is the archetypical police captain, police chief kind of looking guy yeah. for the era and all through the 70s. And then when I was working as an assistant on 21 Jump Street, in the late 80s, mm -hmm. uh, they had one actor, I'd have to think of his name, who played the police chief in the first season. And he'd also been in The Rose with Bette Midler. Oh, wow. But he was uh, perpetually drunk and hard to keep track of on set. So at the end of that year, they fired him. And they needed to hire another person to be the new captain. And what happened was most of the guys who looked like Arch Johnson were already taken. They already had a job mm -hmm. playing that. And so they couldn't get them on this, you know, little little Fox show that nobody paid that much attention to at the time. Right. And what crazy was um, Stephen Cattle suddenly said, well, why do we keep looking for one of those kind of guys? Why don't we find an African-American? And they were like well, African-Americans never played a police captain. And he said, well, clearly gentlemen like that are getting these jobs these days. Can't we do that? And so they looked around and they found Stephen Williams, who had always played criminals. An African-American actor had always played criminals. Right. And was pop up in shows pre-Jump um, Street as the bad guy. And all of a sudden, it became the habit or the tradition that almost every show now has an African-American police captain, all because of that one choice. Well, there you go. Things can change if you choose to change them. Very true. Very true. So that's basically it on the guest star. So we can go ahead and start talking about this episode. Yay! Yay! Davey, you moved over that girl long enough. It's time you took the initiative. Go to it, David. You sure? Uh -huh. Yeah. We're with you, baby. Well, baby. We open on a scene that would probably play a bit differently in 2019. Um, the boys are hiding in the bushes on Columbia Ranch's Main Street, watching Davy's newest crush through some binoculars. Exactly. So, but you know, I mean, is that? Yeah. It yeah. Would no, it, it, it plays as innocent. It's fine as innocent. It's just I, I, I found myself looking at it, going, "Yep, it's been 50 years." <laughs> yeah. Just this, yeah. those little things you don't think of. And, and with some encouragement, Davy goes up to the front porch pretending to be a uh, pollster to make some small talk with Leslie. Uh, pardon me, miss. Uh, I'm from the TV poll-taking service. I was wondering, uh, what TV program are you watching? Well, I'm not watching any TV program. You're not? <laughs> I don't watch television until the evening. Uh, okay, uh, I'll be back later. Will you tell your mother I like roast beef and Yorkshire pudding? <laughs> Leslie, we're waiting for you. Oh, I'll be right in. My father, he's very authoritarian. Well, nobody's perfect. And then after the credits, Davy makes some more attempts to see Leslie, but despite his next two d 
disguises as a magazine subscription salesman and a bomb shelter inspector. He can't get past her intimidating father, General Vandenberg, who very clearly sees right through their attempts to see Leslie. Exactly. And you know, what's happening in these first few scenes, which I love, is they're continuing the concept of how metatextual the show was and that they keep doing deadpans to the to the audience. Oh, yeah, they're breaking the fourth wall all through this. All the time. And what's interesting is I started to note when I was looking at all the early episodes that they start to lean on Mickey for this. It tends to be him who does it more often than not. And I think that was just because he was the most trained actor in the room. Yeah. Trained TV actor. That makes a lot of sense. And, and, and one thing I noticed just watching these in order for the first time really in a while is the, the previous episode that, that, that we just did. Don't look, look at Gift Horse in it in the mouth. It was very visual. It was yeah. most of the gags were like sight gags, almost, you know, kind of silent filmy in a way. Yeah. Cutting you know, the stock footage. Yes. Yeah. Whereas this one is almost exactly the obvious o- opposite. It's very quippy. It's very joke, joke, joke. I mean, I, I'm probably going to put in like double or triple as many of bits from the episode. <laughs> it it, it cl- cut into this, this uh, review because of it. Cause it's just, there's so many cute gags. Yeah, and that's definitely a style of Gardner and Caruso's. They came off Get Smart. They yes. came off doing, um, you know, Washington political kind of humor. And I always tell my son it's so interesting because some of these jokes you see, they didn't write them. They're remembering them from seeing them in early, you know, on stage humor or in the Marx Brothers. And those right. guys didn't invent them. They're remembering them from other vaudevillians who have long since been forgotten by popular culture because their stuff was never recorded whether it's a book or of course in film or, or television so we're like we're we're still experiencing vaudeville without recognizing it exactly <laughs> but uh, after being rebuffed by general vandenberg they learned from leslie's friend cynthia that uh basically leslie can only go to chaperoned parties and that's the only way davy's going to be able to get to see her so uh of course mickey then calls mr van general vandenberg on the phone and uh disguising his voice claims to be an old army friend colonel dodo dolins hello general vandenberg colonel dolins here dolins dolins you remember we fought in normandy what do you mean you don't remember? Everyone remembers the Battle of the Bows. Oh, it's me you don't remember. <laughs> Dolan. Oh, yes. Well, uh, how are you, Dodo, old man? Fine, 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 fine. Listen, Pandy, old boy. My son, Mickey's grown up now, giving sort of a bass. You know, twisting, fruging, ta-ta-ta, all that sort of rot. <laughs> That's how the military battle will be represented. I remember you had a daughter, Hetty. Leslie. Oh, yes, uh, Leslie. Well, why don't you send Tessie along? Leslie. <laughs> yes, Leslie, I know. Um, the party will be chaperoned, of course. And, uh, what? She has a friend staying with her. Her friend? Well, um, <clears throat> is she of military family? Costa's grandniece. Well, I suppose that'll be all right. There won't be any Indians here. Not <laughs> 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 <Not> all, man. <laughs> <laughs> now, here's what's crazy about this scene. When you look at the time frame, we're in 68, and Vandenberg says, I was a general in the last war, which should mean Korea. Except Mickey is referencing Normandy and the Battle of the Bulge. Yeah, he's I mean, he's even... World war II. Exactly. If you look closely, you, you see that he's actually holding a book that says History of World War II on it. So, so yeah, technically that should have been Korea, but oh well. They're confused. Well, they're either confused or it's because Johnson would have been 
20 in 1942, which means he would have been drafted into World War II or mm. joined. Yeah. He would be the right age for that. And yet then we have Korea. And I thought, well, but maybe at this point, people are still remembering that Korea was not officially a declared war. It was a police action. That's right. He does say the last war, not the last police yeah. action. <laughs> so maybe, I mean, and so I'm wondering if that's the mentality of Caruso and Gardner or where that all came from. But it's definitely a very interesting oh. bit. Or they, it was just a goof when they wrote it. Who knows? <laughs> True. <laughs> so the party is on and the boys are quickly decorating the pad to the tune of this just doesn't seem to be my day um, with some stock bits that we've actually seen in the opening credits, among some other bits. Uh, Mickey tries to clamber the tornado staircase with decorations. Uh, Mike has to take a hammer to a bag of pretzels. Um, Peter distribu- uh, uh, distributes paper, used paper plates and tries to wash off the words used paper plates that are written on them in marker. Uh, Mickey slides down the staircase into the big cake and um, basically the monkeys just kind of zoom around the pad and bicycles and wheelchairs throwing decorations all around the place. So, <laughs> And now all they need is a chaperone. <laughs> Oh, forgot that part. Who gets cares Little about details, prayers? yes. <laughs> uh, Mike suggests Mr. Babbitt, uh, but he's too expensive. Then, at $2 an hour, at he's two, too expensive. Yes, well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Yet, oddly, they can afford a housekeeper, which we have never before seen and never again will see, Mrs. Weavers. Um the monkeys decide immediately that they have their chaperone. Um, then they try to coach her on how to act properly with Davy doing his best Rex Harrison impression. The dance in France is mainly in the stance. Oh, Davy, I don't know how to behave at them fancy parties. I tell you, Peter, give me six months and I could pass her off as a duchess at an embassy ball. Uh, how about the party tonight? Well, that'd be a little harder. <laughs> exactly, which is the funny part. We're, we're going to talk about Where's Charlie in a little bit. This episode is rife with references to theater, which is also something D, uh, D and Gardner were, were really good at. And so I thought that was hilarious. We're going from Pygmalion to My Fair Lady to Where's Charlie all in this one episode. Yeah, it's it it's they were they were enjoying themselves this week writing this one. <laughs> <laughs> and the guys were enjoying playing it because of course oh, yeah. we're also on Davies actually has the proper accent for this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yes. And, uh, but of course, Mrs. Weefers decides to spike the punch with liquor behind their backs. And when the guests arrive, uh, the guys find Mrs. Weefers passed out upstairs and react in a very obviously overdubbed line that I'm going to insert here. Mrs. Weefers, wake up. Come on, please. She's stoned. Drunk. <laughs> um, so, whichever substance she had overindulged in, be it the Frodis or the Fruit Punch, <laughs> the boys are unable to revive her, and the party is uh, starting. Uh, downstairs, they try to stall Mr. Vandenberg, who won't let them the girls go in unless there's a chaperone. And just in the nick of time, Mickey comes downstairs in all his glory as their chaperone, Mrs. Arcadian. Exactly, which is a name that Mike slips out of nowhere, right? And again, we go back to the fact that Mike was positioned as the intellectual one because right. it's, you know, Arcadia was a, a town in ancient Greece. And so how the heck would a kid who didn't go to college know that? I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> but so instantly smitten is General Vandenberg, he decides to stay and spends most of the evening pursuing Mickey. Um, in the meantime, Peter tries to cheer up a girl who states she wants a real man to sweep her off her feet. And of course, <laughs> Tarzan swings by. <laughs> And another female guest, uh, guest removes a potato chip from Mr. Schneider's mouth and asks him for some romantic advice. <laughs> um, to avoid Mr. F General Vandenberg, Mickey suggests the guys uh, play, uh, go play some music. And in a rather head scratching bit of what Melanie Mitchell would call monkey magic, yeah. um, takes part with his monkey mates as they perform Take a Giant Step for the revelers, Tarzan and Mr. Clean, while simultaneously fending off the general's advances as Mrs. Arcadian. How does this happen in what alternative universe? Exactly. It's, so exactly. Funny. And, and it's a monkey magic. It's the only explanation. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> if you're hiding in a, if you're cross-dressing, but then you take the clothes off to be like the lead drummer, it's a little bit like Clark Kent taking his, his glasses off. You mean you can't tell it's the same guy? Well, it, that blonde wig kind of covers most of his face. So <laughs> it was a good thing they had that thing floating around. <laughs> Yeah, I know. What were four guys doing with a wig in their house? Rather than pursue that. Um, <laughs> but uh, I did want to note that seen throughout this sequence are a lot of um, familiar background faces, uh, recurring extra and occasional Davy Jones stand-in Val Carries, as uh, well as other monkey stand-ins David Price, David Pearl, and John London. Yes, and if people look at the, the, the party scene very quickly, there's an African-American young man at their party. Yes, I knew I saw him, and I, I thought I saw one or two other. I'm not sure. It's You know, yeah. with all the quick cutting, it's sometimes hard to tell. So, yeah. Exactly. But, again, that's another sign that we're in the midst of and near the end of the civil rights movement that they would even think of that in the casting office. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and after Take a Giant Step, Mickey has more worries when Mr. Babbitt arrives and uh, promptly falls head over heels for Mrs. Arcadian, too. Um <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and then Wesley comments on Mrs. Arcadian being a strange woman, which, yeah. Uh, yeah. And Davy confesses the truth, which unfortunately is overheard by General Vandenberg. Ah, yes. Deus Ex Machina. A little too easy there. But, you know, it's a half hour comedy and they were in a hurry tick, that week. Tick tock, tick tock. They had about six <laughs> minutes left in the episode. Got to get to the end. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and here he stuns, General Vandenberg stuns everyone when he states that Mrs. Arcadian has consented to be his wife uh, just before he whips off Mickey's wig and uh, expresses his outrage. But then Leslie interrupts, in uh, accusing her, her father of his own too overprotectiveness, which led to Davy's extreme measures. Uh, then Mrs. Weavers finally wakes up and <laughs> comes downstairs. Um, Babbitt returns, expressing his infatuation with Mrs. Arcadian, but Mickey orders him out. <laughs> and then Davy explains well, it was the only way he could be with Leslie, and, and General Vandenberg softens at last. <laughs> mm, yeah, a little bit, maybe. Daddy really learned his lesson. He said no more chaperones, ever. Well. That shows he has a lot of confidence in me, don't you think? Sure, a lot of confidence. <laughs> Uh, the next day, Leslie explains to Davy that her father won't give her chaperones anymore and uh, seems to have a lot more confidence in her, which Davy kind of finds hard to believe as he's been chased up a tree by Leslie's new dog. Hmm, guard, guard dog, very vicious guard dog. Very, very. <laughs> 
And then, um, and then the other guys, as well as Cynthia and the uh, girl who had the Tarzan thing, kind of watches amusement. Um, Mike questions where Peter is all of a sudden when, of course, he swings by in a Tarzan costume, uh, except he lands in the fountain um which will be used in the credits which will be used in the credits which will be used in friends which is used in oh so many things yes exactly (laughs) yes and then the wetsuit clad monkeys finish the set by hamming it up in the fountain in some stock footage we've seen before and also singing you just may be the one (laughs) it's an excellent episode it's full of music It's, it's a totally classic if you didn't know what the monkeys were and you saw this episode you would understand exactly what they were yes it's a it's a great who are these guys want, uh, episode which is probably it was a good time to kind of show this because because at this point they they well we know from talking earlier about the nielsen ratings they're starting to kind of pick up viewers and people yeah. are getting more interested so it's just another way to sort of reintroduce the characters especially now that they seem a little bit more um more dialed in in this episode exactly exactly yeah so it's pretty cool Yep. And moving on to the music that was featured in this ep- episode. Um, the first two songs, This Just Doesn't Seem to Be My Day and Take a Giant Step, were both featured uh, a re- the first time in Royal Flush. And if you're curious about the credits for those songs, you can find them there. And this was also the debut of You Just May Be the One. Uh, this is actually the first pre-headquarters version for those of you who uh, keep track of which versions are which. And I can mm. sometimes tell the difference. I, I can tell the difference of this one between this and headquarters but it it sort of depends on the song so (laughs) but yes you just may be the one uh written by michael nesmith recorded july 18th and july 27th of 1966 personnel mike nesmith on lead and backing vocal um James Burton, Glenn, Glenn Campbell, Al Casey, Mike DC, and Peter Tork on guitars and Dano bass. Hal Blaine on drums, Gary Coleman and Frank DeVito on percussion, Larry Nectel on piano, Bob West on bass, and unknown additional backing vocals. <laughs> and for those who are, of us who are completists, you can find this also on Missing Links Volume 2. Yay. Yes. Uh, and in reruns, uh, in Saturday morning reruns, the This Just Doesn't Seem to Be My Day was replaced with Midnight Train, uh, mm. which, in addition to being one of my favorite cha- songs from Changes, actually, I think kind of fits pretty well with this romp. Yeah, totally. That works. Yeah, I mean, that that's kind of what they're trying to do, you know? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It fits thematically as well as just, you know, being a song they can stick in that fits the time. So yeah. um, anything else we want to talk about with this episode? Oh, I was just going to say what's cool about it for folks who might not know a lot about theater. We mentioned My Fair Lady, of course. But the whole business of, of Mickey cross-dressing, all they're doing is riffing on an earlier musical that became a film called Charlie's Aunt. Um, And we're talking about we're going all the way back to 1892 when it was first written. Wow. So this idea has been around for a long time. It's originally it's a story about two boys at Oxford who couldn't have girlfriends over for lunch because they had lunches then, you know, not parties. Well, yes. Unless they had a chaperone. And of course, none can be found. So they get a buddy of theirs, a third guy to come in and be the chaperone. And the problem is the girls hang around with him slash her because he's safe. And he gets to kiss their hands and put his arm around their shoulders and be all kissy kissy cutie pie with them. And his buddies get really, really seeming mad and try to figure out how to get rid of him. But they have to have him or they can't have the girls. And it's this ridiculous, you know, sort of comic from back in the day. 
Um, but I love it because it was when it was made into a film, it stars Ray Bolger, who we all mm-hmm. know and love as Scarecrow in The Wizard of Oz. And uh, we'll pop in a link to what became his signature song from the musical, which is called Once in Love with Amy. And it's so adorable, you can't stand it. Yeah, I've not actually heard of this until you brought it up. I'm going to have to dig this up because I'm a Ray Bolger fan. I like his stuff. So, Oh, I will send you that link and we'll add it to this because he is charming. And there's also another link to a song called Make, Make It a Miracle, which is him proposing to the girl. Ah. In the, and they talk about the future they'll share together. And they're talking about how the world will change. And so they list things like horseless carriages and flying to the moon and all these adorable things that of course are things that were in existence then. So yeah, <laughs> it's quite perfect. So awesome. I think that's lovely. Um, and you know, the thing is there have been stories about people cross-dressing both ways, whether it's men dressing mm-hmm. as women, those kinds of things, or you flip it when we get around to some like it, uh, lukewarm in a little bit. Yes. Uh, and then women dressing as men is a whole different story that we'll get to later. Absolutely. Absolutely. And as we continue moving on toward those episodes, next time is the 10th episode, which is actually the first episode. Here come the monkeys, the pilot episode. (laughs) (laughs) In the pilot episode, the monkeys land a sweet 16 gig that is soon thrown into jeopardy when the birthday girl falls for Davy and neglects her studies. At least she's studying. At least she cares about her studies. Exactly. And that, that that's actually a really good point, that, 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 that she and her parents seem to actually care about how she's doing in school, which is, you know, a good thing. But this is, this is an interesting episode because it starts a lot of things, but it's also such a very different animal in some ways. Yes. Well, because it's a pilot and they didn't know what they were doing yet. They were, they were finding the characters, finding their world, uh, which is why they didn't start it as the first episode, because it wasn't in the end as similar as it needed to be. So that's kind of an interesting. They make that choice. They film about eight or 10 episodes and they go, oh, we can't start with that. And it's not an origin pilot. If you've done an origin pilot, you have to start with that because that's how everybody met. Right. But the monkeys never do that. They never tell us how these four boys came to know each other and start this band. Well, and 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 even beyond that, it's interesting watching this in the land of, you know, peak TV serials where you have to pay attention to the guy mm-hmm. who is in the background in scene 12 because he'll be important 15 episodes later. Yeah, There's right. like almost no continuity at all all between you know it's it's always status quo ante at the end of every monkeys episode almost and part of that was that was the style of everything because the idea was when you stripped it in syndication they didn't want to have to follow any kind of order yeah so they didn't bother so for instance that's the great joke of bonanza i remember seeing michael landon on some talk show you know early in his career where he said um he had a million different girlfriends who all died Right. Because you couldn't ever have a permanent wife on the show. Right. And he said the joke was that he stayed fit by um, walking through the graveyard, putting uh, flowers on the graves of all the girls he'd killed on the show. (laughs) So, you know, obviously, like you wouldn't have 47 fiancés, except they didn't expect you to continue the story. (laughs) That reminds me of my childhood theory that Jessica Fletcher killed everybody on Murder, She Wrote. (laughs) Exactly. Why would you invite this woman to your your event if you knew somebody died every time she showed up? (laughs) Yep. Yep. Well, (laughs) anyway, next time we're talking about the pilot, which was written by Paul Mazursky and Larry Tucker, who I believe this is their only work for the monkeys, but they go on to become important in different ways. (laughs) Huge. And there's a whole lawsuit we'll talk about. Yeah. Yeah. Directed by Mike Elliott. And anything else we want to say about the pilot? 
No, I think we'll hold that for next show. Okay. Well, then I think we've covered everything there is to cover with the chaperone. This is a, this is a fun episode. Um, you know, not the most deep, but it's got, if you like, if you like the stories where it's like a gag a minute and you've got really great guest stars who can like hold their own with the craziness you get acting on the monkeys, this is a great example. Oh yeah, it's totally. It is the it is the classic one of the more, more classic episodes. Yeah, it's 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 up there with describe a season one monkeys episode. <laughs> exactly. So, okay. Well, we'll talk to everybody next time on Monkeys One Hundred and One. Have a great week, month, year, all of that. Yep. Bye. Bye. Dr. Roseanne Welch is a Mickey girl and the author of Why the Monkeys Matter: Teenagers, Television, and American Pop Culture. After a career of writing for television shows like Touched by an Angel, Picket Fences, and Beverly Hills 90210, Roseanne shifted gears and went into education. She now writes on film and television studies and teaches in the screenwriting program at Stevens College. Dr. Sarah Clark is an April Conquest and proud of it. When not podcasting here at Zilch, a monkey's podcast, or writing at her blog, Fandom Lenses, her not-terribly-secret identity, she can be found leading a university library in the Philadelphia area. Sarah is convinced that her utter inability to understand Head when she was 11 sparked the intellectual curiosity that led her into academia. If only she'd known the guys themselves didn't understand Head either. Hubble Benson production. Okay, well, that was Monkeys 101 for The Chaperone. Um, this is a fun episode. It's just kind of one of those fun season one episodes. Not terribly serious. Davies chasing after the girl. Hijinks ensues. Um, you know, my favorite <laughs> bits were, I mean, that's that's a season, quintessential season one episode right there. Either Davies right. chasing after after somebody cute or Peter enters into a stupid contract and that's like two-thirds of season one so (laughs) (laughs) and i say this with love and affection (laughs) when when you uh not to put too fine a point on it but gosh (laughs) they 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 managed to get what 26 good episodes out of season one so yeah with that with that basic formula okay maybe not 26 good episodes well no no actually it's 32 if memory serves it's over 30 yeah yeah season one was long people don't yeah you don't realize it until you look at the thing but yeah it was like 32 episodes if i'm remembering right and then um see even i have to have the thing in front of me to remember all this stuff so there's my secret out now i don't have all this memorized <laughs> yeah <laughs> but, oh, yes. well, but, but you're right though i mean uh, this this episode especially uh it's it's definitely in my top five maybe top three um oh, wow. with um uh devil and peter torque and you know being up mm-hmm. there as well but uh you know how could this one not be uh, uh, uh such a, a fan favorite i think uh, you know if anybody is familiar and i think we all are with the movie some like it hot mm-hmm. uh, you know at least those of a, us of a certain age 
Well, but isn't that? <laughs> yes, you're right. You're right. not to be ageist. I'm sorry to all the young fans that we love having. <laughs> you should check out that movie, though. Fun. Expand okay. your expand your pop culture knowledge. <laughs> it's yeah. Well, uh, it's it's a classic for a reason. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah. Uh, you know, if um, if there was only one scene of of um, the chaperone that I had to pick when Mickey and uh, when our, uh, when uh, Vandenberg announces that Mrs. Arcadian has mm-hmm. consented to be his bride and he, uh, but, but even, even more so when uh, Mickey says Venice, the, the look on his face. He's thinking his, about it. <laughs> oh my God. But I mean, just the way he, I, I mean, okay. So I watched the episode again today mm-hmm. before we recorded just because well because it's one of my favorites but you know I, I wanted to have more than a couple of things to say about it and I, it makes me laugh out loud every time mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a fun episode yeah yeah it is it is and okay let's face it uh these days my hair is looking a lot like mrs arcadian's hair <laughs> I feel you. I feel you. The, the bangs hanging down to my nose. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> I I might be in a trend. I've decided I I could I could have trimmed them, and I may be in a transition for my hairstyle. Who knows what's going to happen? But anyway, but I could I could relate. What every time he blew his bangs out of his face, yep. I'm like, yep, been there, <laughs> been there. <laughs> oh. What what else? What are there? What are there any other highlights of the episode? Well, I mean, that, my uh, favorite bits. Um, I love the homage to My Fair Lady, which is another classic movie our, our younger fans should check out. Um, <laughs> just I love that whole bit. <laughs> and um, Hobbit hates people. <laughs> well, that would be a little odder. <laughs> Oh, yes. And oh, then, of God. course, the kind of like weird real- reality bending, take a giant step romp where like at one minute Mickey is Mrs. Arcadian, then he flashes to be playing drums on the bandstand and back and forth. And it's just like, OK, yeah, th- there's some monkey <laughs> magic right there. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, and I, I, I'll tell you, too, the other one of the other things that I love so much about this episode is the romp for this just doesn't seem to be my day. Mm-hmm. The whole getting ready for the party scene. Yeah, and a lot of that ends up in the uh, in the opening credits, and there's a reason for that. It, so that's right. That's that's right. I mean, between uh, Mickey planting his face in Mike's cake, or uh, uh, just climb literally climbing the walls to try mm-hmm. to hang the streamers. I mean, my gosh, that that boy. Yeah, <laughs> he was he was a ball of energy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Love it. Love yep. it. The last thing that I'll point out, and I have never noticed that this until I watched it this morning. <clears throat> but okay, you know, the girl who at the party is talking to Peter, and and she's saying, you know, look, they're all children. I want mm-hmm. a real hand. Yeah. And then and then there's all those great snippets of her uh, being wooed by Tar, trying to be wooed by Tarzan or Mr. Clean, and she's not having any of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's something about her, her, um, 
appearance, her facial expression, and just her overall demeanor. I got a real strong Jody Ritson vibe. She <laughs> she looks like Jody. There is a resemblance now that you mention it. I'd never made that connection before. <laughs> no, we we love you, Jody. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> On that note, I think we're going to wrap it up. Um, Thank you, everybody, for um, tuning in to Silch, for your continued interest in Monkeys 101. Roseanne and I always worry that we're going a little too nerdy for people to appreciate, but we always get such good feedback, and it it really means a lot. And, you know, we just hope that everybody is safe and well right now during this, uh, they keep calling it these interesting times. So, um, you know, just stay in, stay safe, wash your hands and uh, keep listening to Zilch. Right. I, w- I would add that. Uh, remember, Zilch Nation, love is understanding. We are one. Mm-hmm. Be-, be good to each other. Yes. Look out for one another. Continue to be safe. Stay strong. We love you all. And we will see you on the next zilch couldn't have said it better myself bye everybody bye and that's our show zilch is an online non-profit monkeys audio fancy made by fans for fans any samples of music or interviews heard remain property of their owners we are not related to the monkeys or any of their members past or present we are not affiliated with rhino or ray Burke. if you hear anything you like from the band go on amazon or itunes and buy it If you enjoyed the show, like us on Facebook and rate us on iTunes. Thank you for listening. Until next time, I'm your announcer, Chelsea Epstein, saying always take some time to monkey around.